Happy Father's Day. At this time, let's honor Pastor Bear as he comes. He was the worship pastor here at Galena Assembly in the year 2006. He was, I think, a year and four months. He led worship here. Then he left from here, and he's now residing in Dallas and led worship at many churches there in Dallas. And so he resides there with Jill and his three wonderful kids. And uh, I was listening to one of his videos a few weeks ago, and I had never met him. I don't know anything about him. I just uh, just briefly knew that you know he led worship here. That's all. That's all I knew. And so I was listening to one of his videos. And I just, since the Holy Spirit said to have him. So at 12 o'clock at night, I sent him a message. And lo and behold, he was up. So he responded immediately. And his response was, oh my gosh. <laughs> and so we started a relationship there. And he comes very highly recommended and very close to a lot of you, which I did not know. But he's coming home to family. And so it is so good to have him here. We're going to have a wonderful week with him and his family. And let's do a Christ Point honor. Let's stand and honor Pastor Bear and his wonderful family as he comes. Would you give a great big God bless you. Come on, you can do better than that. Would you give a great big God bless you to Pastor Bear? I love you. Thank you, thank you. You may be seated. Oh my goodness. What an honor to be here. And, and uh, y'all look the same. I know I do too. That's not true, do I? I look a little different. I, the, if you go back in the Old Testament, it says that the priests during times of stressful moments in their life they would do two things they would rend, rend themselves of their clothing and they would shave their heads so that you'll come back tomorrow night I'll just shave my head I'll keep my clothing there you go Josh just for for Josh's job security I'll, I'll make sure and just do one or the other but uh, God is good happy Father's Day to everybody that's here and uh, it's so good to to see you and to hug your neck and uh, to fist bump and to wave from a distance and keep our social distancing all at the same time and and I'm so honored to be uh, in the house of God and to be with you and and I want to introduce my family real quick if it's all right uh, Jill do you mind standing up this is my wife Jill you remember Jill and uh, and then right right on the other side is my daughter Maddie. This is Maddie. Come on, stand up, sister. She's uh, she's 12 years old. We've got twin boys, Sawyer and Cash. Stand up, guys, if you would. You can stand up there. They're my boys. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And and uh, I've got a family here as well. Jill's mom and and her husband Mike. They're with us today, and they came over from the Tulsa area and to be with us. And and they took the kids last night, and uh, so honored to have them. And I love them very, very much. And uh, God's been good to us. A lot of life has happened over the last. Um, 12, 13 years. A lot of life has happened over the last two weeks. But God's still in control, and He's still a good God. He's still been gracious to us, and we live in the best country in all the world. I believe that with all my heart. I'm thankful for all that He's doing. And I'm thankful I'm a dad. I, I uh, man, I'm, I'm really thankful I'm a dad because uh, there's a lot of uh, men that would love to be dads, and uh, and God blessed me with three three great kids, and and uh, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and love Him. I'm the most kind and gracious-hearted kids you'd ever meet in your life, and and uh, 
doesn't mean I don't have moments, though. I'm still learning to be a dad. I hadn't figured it all out and, and uh, still trying to pick and choose what's right and what's wrong at times, you know, and uh, I've got a couple ball players. I got three ball players, really, and, and uh, the boys, they, uh, they're they all baseball, 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 you know, and we had a we had a great time. We're just getting to the age, though, where, um, where we're figuring things out. I'm figuring it out as a dad, right? Uh, maybe a lot like you, and they're figuring it out as kids. Uh, what do we say? When do we say it? How do we say it? And what tone do we say it in? Right? We're all figuring it out together. And uh, so uh, the other night, uh, I noticed uh, one of them, Cash, he, he, he didn't play as well as he wanted to in a baseball game. And he's a pretty, pretty good athlete. And, uh, and he just felt like he was down on himself a little bit. And so we got into the car, and, and, and I said, what's wrong, bub? And Sawyer, his brother, chimed in and said, he doesn't feel like he played very well tonight. And Cash said, no, that's not it. I know I didn't play very well tonight. And I said, well, well, I'm sorry, Bob. I don't know what to do about it. He said, well, maybe it was your pitching. All right. So we went back and forth a little bit, and we're figuring out tone with each other. We're trying to, to walk this through and, and learn how to communicate with each other. And not too long ago, uh, Pastor Josh, just a few weeks ago, invited us up here, and, and I was excited. Uh, he did. He messaged me at 12 o'clock at night, and we had never met each other. And, and uh, as the week goes on, and, and we've, we met for the first time this morning face-to-face, uh, -face, and we realized that we have a kindred spirit um, between us and, uh, and a kindred relationship as well. And, and uh, it goes back to uh, not only his roots, but my roots and, and uh, the Pentecostal Church of God roots. And, uh, and uh, not just being brothers in Christ, but um, um, his, his last name is Pennington, and my mother's maiden name is Pennington. So we're trying to put it together. And whether we're related or not, we're going to say we're related. And and figure this thing out to really prove my point that we have a kindred spirit between us and and uh, it didn't take long the first time I spoke with him on the phone to realize that uh, you have one of the best pastors in all the world I really believe that I really truly believe that and his heart his heart for um, his heart for you uh, it came out very very quickly and his heart for this church and and uh, his heart for the Lord came out very very quickly as well and so I'm thankful thank you for having us and uh, thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. My daughter Maddie, we're uh, uh, she's a she's a baller too. She loves to play ball, but she's uh, she's figuring things out. And she uh, she sang her first song not too long ago. And we put it on social media, and and uh, social media is a wonderful thing, you know. And her first song had like uh, ten thousand views, and. Um, so I, I said, hey, we're, we're going to travel. We've been invited to, to Joplin, Missouri area, to Galena, Kansas, to, uh, to minister. And uh, she's like, oh, that's great. She's like, my first service. She's like, I was like, no, they, they invited me, sis. They invited me. She's like, so we're going to lead worship? I was like, no, no, I'm going to lead worship. And uh, we're going to get going. And so uh, she's a good girl, and uh, she loves the Lord. And so I'm honored to be here today. And one thing I've recognized over the last little bit is, um, is the pace of God's grace is, is vitally important. Uh, we live in a world that is incredibly fast-paced. And um, a lot of you know it. You just hadn't figured out how to stop it yet. A lot of us are scared to even try to figure out how to stop the pace of life that, that we're in right now. Um, and, and, and it's one thing in, in society period to, to and I, I didn't bring it up here, sitting on the chair, um, our phones keep us constantly engaged and constantly in the know. But yet it feels like that we know less than we've ever known. 
we're always engaged, but yet it feels like we are less engaged than we've ever been engaged. We see more scriptures than we've ever seen, but it feels like we know less scripture than we've ever known. God's grace and God's pace go hand in hand. And I realized that when I moved from Galena to Dallas, it was a major shift in pace. It was a major shift in pace. We were honored enough last night to, to be hosted by Troy and Sandra Thiessen and, and uh, their wonderful home. And, and my first thought, I said, hey, what service starts at 10. How long does it take for me to get there? That was my, one of my first questions. How long, I need to know how long it takes to get there. Um, in Dallas, um, over the last uh, several years of my life, it took me an hour and a half to get to work in the morning. And you see what I'm saying? That's one way, then back. We did that five times a week. Pace of life is different. It was only 40 miles, but it took me an hour and a half. The, the, and, and I'm recognizing, I'm realizing that, um, that when life struggles happen and life knocks you over, when incurable illness comes your way, when devastation comes your way, when family trouble comes your way, and your life stops, it doesn't stop for everybody else around you. God's pace and God's grace go hand in hand. And I'm realizing that. So this morning, I wanted to, if it's all right with you, segue over this mic, is that right, Pastor Sean? I'm a little intimidated to sing after Sean this morning. That boy can sing, can he? He can bring the house down. So I'm going to pick some songs that you don't know, Sean. I'm teasing. My prayer today is that we figure out God's pace. And we don't ask him to figure out ours. We nestle in, we settle back. The purpose of church is obviously community. But the purpose of church is also to throw away everything else around you and settle into God's pace. Listen for his voice. Not only talk to him, but give him a chance to talk to us.
up. I lost all the piano, if you would. and say, I love you, Lord. Just tell him real simple.
again. take these moments when it starts today this is the catalyst over the next few days that you'll take these moments and you will flip the script of what we've ever we've always seen and we've always known to be what church is for our life you'll flip the script and change our narrative for what we've always seen grace or mercy to have been in our life you'll flip the script that we'll see something different for what forgiveness is in our life You'll flip the script, God, and the outside world will look at the church and say the church has the answer we need. You'll flip the script and the animosity that they have towards believers Lord, will soften. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead will begin to dwell in us stronger and stronger. And they'll look at us and they'll say, I don't know where they've been. I'm not sure what building it is but I need to run to the house of the Lord where the strong tower is so I'm safe. Lord, we need you, Lord. We need our refuge. Lord, my prayer is simple. That you'll take all of our opinions as diverse as they are and you'll root us all in your word. You'll ground us in your word. Lord, that you'll take our feelings and you'll take our offended feelings and you'll remind us that sometimes our feelings aren't the facts. God, I'm reminded of a time in my life not too long ago I felt alone, I felt abandoned, I felt isolated, I was ashamed. I was scared. I was nervous. I was emotionally beat up. And there was no one around me. And that's the way I felt. But the fact was, you had never left me. You were with me. And when no one else was talking to me, you were speaking clearly to me. So Lord, help us today to change the narrative of our life. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all of your many blessings, great and small, because you're a good God. We bless you and we thank you. And everyone said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Over the next few days, we're going to be worshiping. We're going to be listening to the word of God. And, and listen, uh, one thing is the same. Uh, I come back here different to Galena than I ever was, but one thing's the same. I'm still pretty tender. 
I've always been tender, and I might cry a little bit. I'll probably laugh a little bit, and, and I hope you guys uh, all have uh, good remembering uh, memories of me, and, uh, and if you don't, I'm sorry. Give me another chance. We'll figure it out. Randy, how are you? Randy, good to see you. Unfortunately, good to see you guys, and, and um, so honored to be here, and, and uh, go ahead and yeah, bring that out, sir, if you would. Good to see you, too. Yes, I'll need it. I'll need it. I got the best pulpit guy in the world right here. I... Yeah, it's fine. Thank you. Can I speak to, my, to you from my heart today? Is that all right, Pastor? And I won't keep you long. I, it's 11.09. You'll be out by supper tonight. We'll... I know you got family meals tonight, so I'll make sure you're out by then. I don't have a lot to say. I just have a lot to show you of my thankfulness to the Lord in my life and where I've been and how I was raised and where I'm at now and what I've been through. And, and uh, I got little ears that are listening this morning, and, and I love them so much, so I won't go into detail, but, but God's been good to me, far better than I deserve. And um, in my efforts all of my life to be great, I've been reminded that he never asked me to be great. He's great. He just asked me to obey. And somewhere along the way, I fell short. As a man, as a father, as a pastor, as a husband, I fell short. I worked hard. That wasn't the issue. Funny thing is, he never asked me to work hard. He never asked me to go the extra mile. He just simply said, obey. But I kept working hard. I kept striving. I kept being driven. As a father, I was making Instagram pictures in my head before Instagram ever existed. I was trying to show the world how to be the best man possible, how to be the best pastor how to be the most accessible pastor, how to be the most loving pastor. My name's Bear. When I was a kid, I lived in Joplin, Missouri. My dad was the director of world missions for the Pentecostal Church of God. Somewhere along the way, of wanting to be like my dad, wanting to be in ministry, wanting to be in church, wanting to be like my mom, who has her doctorate in philosophy and in theology and traveled the world as an evangelist and missionary to Indonesia and Russia, the Republic of Georgia, to Australia, to Alaska, to every state in the Union, spreading the love of Jesus. Somewhere along the way in my efforts, in my energy of trying to be the best that I could be, I fell short. I wanted to be a great friend. I wanted to be a great pastor. I wanted to be a great husband, and I wanted to be a great father. But there's only so many plates you can juggle. And along the way, I lost the point, and I lost the purpose of being a great believer. found myself willing to die to work for the Lord. I just struggled to live for Him. So today I want to talk to you briefly, and this is Father's Day, and probably have a Father's Day message, but it probably applies to everybody. 
about three areas of our life. You can run, you can hide, or you can fight. Those are the three options we have in our life. Well, the next few days, we're going to worship the Lord a lot. And here, I was invited by Pastor Josh to come and, and to give all that I have to you. And little do you know that I drove five and a half hours with my family to receive all I could from the Lord. I don't have much to give other than some common principles and some insight from moments of failure and moments of success. I found a point in my life when I was running. The scripture we'll use today is based out of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, chapter number 21 at first. Let me give you a synopsis, a really quick storyline of three guys. Samuel, Saul, and ultimately David. And I'll just, I'll be brief. There was an appointing and an anointing of Saul that came from Solomon. Saul, he began to lead under, Saul, uh, Saul began to lead under Samuel's authority. Saul takes on his own authority. Samuel is upset at Saul and his disobedience. Samuel then lets Saul know of David. Samuel anoints David as the next king. Saul then becomes jealous of David's popularity. Saul wants to kill David. Now here we are. That's the storyline. 1 Samuel 21.10 That day David fled from Saul and went to Ashish, king of Gath. There are moments in our life when it's appropriate to run. When someone's after you, it's appropriate to run, to get out of the way, to get away. I've never been much of a fighter, never been much of a guy that, that loved confrontation. I've always been a peacemaker in my life. Never swung a fist at anybody. Never had harsh words for anybody. Never really raised my voice at anybody that I can recall. I'm not much of a fighter. But this theory of running, fighting, running, hiding, and fighting hit me months ago in Dallas when a man walked into a sanctuary and he had a gun. You guys remember seeing that on the news? That was 20 minutes from where we were attending church. Following that Sunday, we had, I was working at a church, I was the executive pastor at a church, and I've been in two churches in the Dallas area, uh, both of them large churches, and, and, uh, and I was an executive pastor at both churches, and, and the second church that we were at, um, we immediately had meetings and briefings and, and with our security team, and we brought in counsel, and we brought in uh, all the wisdom that we knew, and, and uh, I remember sitting in that meeting the very first time, and the, and the head of our security got up, and, and uh, he began to lecture all of the rest of the security team and the staff one week after this happened. And uh, he said, if you'll watch the video, and I'm sure a lot of you saw the video, if you'll watch the video, he said, you have three options. You can hide, you can run, you can hide, or you can fight. 
And he began to break down the narrative of life and, and how people are. And he began to say that 94%, 94% of people are sheep and they will hide. He said, it's in our nature. He said, this is just, he said, I'm not trying to demean anyone. He said, it's just in our nature that 94% of society will hide when given an opportunity like this. And we went through the video and we watched. He said, watch. And he began to count as people begin to duck, get down, do this, do that. And they begin to hide. He said, that leaves of the 6% that's left, he said, 4%, 4%, I'm sorry, the 96 will run, 4% will hide. And then he began to walk through and he said, he said, look how, how people begin to hide and they begin to run. And he said, that leaves us with 2%. 2% of this world, you have sheep and then the other the 2% are called wolves. And he said, wolves. He said, they're always on the lookout of what to do. They always have a backup plan. They always sit in a certain area. They always are, are looking and seeing what's going on. They're always this, they're always that. And he said, they're wolves. They're always prepared. And it made me ask the question, Josh, where am I at as a man? Where am I at as a father? Am I a runner? Am I a hider? Where am I at as a believer? Am I a fighter? I asked that question many times in my life when I sit there in that security meeting and he began to detail, detail, detail about hiding and running and fighting. I'm going to ask you today, as a believer, where are you at? Are you a hider? Are you a runner? Are you a fighter? And if you are a fighter, do you know what you're fighting for? Do you know what you're fighting that you say you believe in? 1 Samuel 21.10, that day David fled from Saul and went to Ashish, king of Gath. When is it appropriate to run? You run from situations that you know will do you harm. You run to relationships that will draw you closer to Christ. You run from evil, meaning you turn off what's inappropriate, whatever brings distance between you and God. You run from those things. When you see it coming, you keep distance. You social distance. <laughs> it's appropriate to run when someone you know is going to pull you lower than what you need to go. It's appropriate to run. So when is it appropriate to hide? First Samuel 22, verse number 1 through 5. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or, in, or discontented gathered around him. Let me say that again. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. Sounds like a church, doesn't it? And, the, and he became their commander. About 400 men went with him. From there, David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, Would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? So he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Harath. So when is it appropriate to hide? You hide from the onslaught of the enemy. You hide in the stronghold. Scripture tells us the name of the Lord is what? A strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. The term or word stronghold is and also can be interpreted as a mountain. 
Psalms tells us, I lift my eyes to the mountain because what? That's where my help comes from. So when is it appropriate to hide? David hid in the cave of Adullam. Caves are found in mountains. Even Jesus went to the mountainside to pray. My last point is, when's it appropriate to fight? 1 Samuel 24, verse number 8. Then David went out after him and called to him, Your majesty saw, and he turned around, and David bowed down to the ground in respect. When David had finished speaking, Saul said, Is that really you, David, my son? And he started crying. Then he said to David, You are right, and I am wrong, and you have been so good to me while I have done such wrong to you. Today you have shown how good you are to me, because you did not kill me when you had a chance, even though the Lord put me in your power. How often does someone catch an enemy and then let them get away unharmed? The Lord bless you for what you have done for me today. Now I am sure that you will be king of Israel and that the kingdom will continue under your rule. When's it appropriate to fight? I want to catch you up on my life if it's all right. I left here, left the Galena Assembly of God Church in the Joplin area back in 2007, 13 years ago. When we left here, we had just found out that we were pregnant with our daughter Madeline and, uh, we got to Dallas, and she was born on January the 28th of 2008, and uh, she changed and shifted our life. Everybody said, when you get married, life's going to change, and, and you know, it did, it didn't, but it wasn't drastic, and then they said, when you have babies, your life's going to change, and, and it did, and then someone said, but when you have a baby girl, your world's done, and they were right. My world was done. We began working at a church and giving our all to the church, and for 11 and a half years, we gave our all. We watched the church explode with growth in the Dallas area, and tens of thousands and tens of thousands of people just flooding through this place all the time and just going through, and, and church became our, our life, and, and then ultimately church became my God. I worked tirelessly for the church. Most of the time, I miss bedtime, I miss tucking in the kids at night, in the process of doing that, we started a side business and brought refinished furniture. And so we were up early working. Late at night, we were working. We had a side hustle. We had ministry. We had everything under the sun. And we were doing the best we could to keep our heads above the water. Little did anyone know on the outside that on the inside, I was drowning, struggling to keep everything going. I was 99% great in my life. I was kind, filled with the fruit of the Spirit, had love for everybody, had goodness towards everybody. I was gracious, had patience, but I started to notice that the patience began to run out in life for me. I was quick-tempered, which was not my nature. I was short. My conversations were shorter and shorter. My pace of life was faster and faster. I just want to get the job done. We'd roll into Sunday mornings, just get the job done. Back to back to back to back services. At one point, doing four to five services a day, 
multiple languages, trying to figure it out, just roll with it, and more people coming in, and everything was golden until it wasn't. So I found myself losing in life. Where I had been winning on the outside, I was losing on the inside. And ultimately lost everything. Lost it. Suffered. Lost all the relationships I ever had. Lost all the friendships I had. Lost my job. Lost our home. Sold out of all the furniture we had. Sold out of our home and belongings. Just lost it. And in the process of losing it all, I found out that I actually gained it all. I didn't know. I thought that if I accumulated enough stuff, I'd have it all. Little did I know, the more that I lost, the more I actually won. But I had to make up my mind and make a decision whether I was going to run, hide, or fight. You ever heard that saying, fake it till you make it? <laughs> I had to make up my mind that I was not going to fake it till I made it. I was going to face it until I made it. I'm a preacher's kid. I know a lot about church. But I had to reach a point in my life where I didn't want to fake it anymore. I wanted to experience his grace. The same grace I always communicated from the platform, I wanted to feel for myself. The same mercy I'd always shown everybody, I needed shown. I didn't want to fake it anymore. I wanted to face it. Every single day as a man, every day as a father. Because we're the provider. We're the provider. You're supposed to be balanced. You're supposed to be anchored at all times. And I lost my balance and I lost the anchor. And I was adrift at sea going back and forth. And Scripture tells you not to be tossed back and forth by every wind. But man, I was from left to right to front to back to upside down and everything in between. But I didn't want to run anymore. And I didn't want to hide from everybody, so I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to face it until I make it. And ultimately, facing it every day until you make it resonates with someone else that's struggling to face it every day. Because unbeknownst to me, as a pastor, there's a lot of sin out there in you guys' life. <laughs> because there's a lot of sin in my life. And there's a lot of people that are struggling every day just to get going. A lot of people that are, that are burying depression in their life that can't figure it out. A lot of people that are struggling to get up to go to work. A lot of people that are, just want this and just, they're just struggling in life, period. A lot of dads that are on the verge of, of just trying to make it all happen and, and make sure that their kid's life is better than the life that they had. And at the same time, they don't know what to do. Dad class isn't available at every corner. We've got to figure it out. We've got to figure out our temper. We've got to figure out our patience. We've got to figure out our kindness and our tone. Sure enough, there's a lot of us out there in the same boat. So I figured this out too. There's a lot of us actually in the same storm. We're just in different boats. We approach it differently. We've got different angles, different likes, different dislikes, different styles different ways to communicate. So when was I going to fight? When was I going to stand up for myself? When was I going to let my mind stop beating me up 
When was I going to sit there and finally say, if God's grace is for everybody, then surely it's for me too. There's a chance that you're in here today and you have past regret that no one knows about. There's a chance that you're in here today and you have shame that you've never truly let go of. Man or woman. There's a chance that you're in here today that somewhere along your life you've wanted to be as transparent with the Lord as possible, but you, you just struggled to actually say what it is you're feeling. There's a chance today that you've had questions that you want to ask the Lord because you don't understand, but you're ashamed because we were taught never to ask the Lord questions. But you got questions. And I've learned in my life, it's okay to ask questions. Just don't question God. Ask the questions. He's not afraid of our questions. Ask them. And I'm learning as a dad, I need to let my kids ask questions. You see what I'm saying? Let me give it to you this way. This is the best example that I can probably tell you. Um, we just got a new car. We just got a new car. And, uh, and, we, and we really like it. And, um, and I really, really, I'm, I'm in full dad mode right now. So all I think about is like garage organization and um, lawn care. I mean, that's what dads do, right? I've traded in all of my former rock star days for garage organization. That's where I'm at. All right, so, so we got a new car, and it's got nice leather in it and, and all this different stuff, and, and, and I went right into dad mode. And I, I kid you not, the first thing I said was, here's the number one rule. All of you, look at me. I had a, I looked me right in the eyes. Don't sit on the armrest, because that's what my dad always told me. Don't sit on the arm of a chair. It'll break it. And I was like, okay, I went right into dad mode. Don't, and then I said, now listen, and this is, and I can't believe, I, right when I said it, it just sparked something inside of me. I said, now listen, I'm not going to be mad if you make a mess, but you got to tell me if you make a mess. If you spill your drink, tell me. Don't try to hide it. Tell me. <laughs> I won't be mad. I promise you. Didn't I, didn't I, I won't be mad. Just don't try to cover it up. Don't try to push it into the ground. Don't do any of this stuff. Don't put clothes on top of it and leave it for days. I don't care what the mess is. Just make sure that you talk to me about it. And the moment I turned around, we were just starting the trip. The moment I turned around and, and I buckled my seatbelt and I said, all right, here we go. The Lord said, man, don't you wish you would have just told me? Don't you wish, Bear, that instead of trying to hide it with your feet and trying to cover it up and trying to, you made a mess. Do you not think I know I, you, I was going to find out? I knew it when, you hap when it happened. Just tell me. I'll help fix it. I'll be there for you. But what do we do? We hide it. We run away from it. You know that look as a parent whenever you say, which one of you guys did this? <laughs> and they're all like. Real talk. I wish in my life that I would have been more honest with the Lord. And I faked it until I made it. I wish I would have said, Lord, I'm struggling in this area. I need your grace. I wish I would have said to him, Lord, I'm, I'm part of a team that's leading thousands and thousands and thousands, and I feel unqualified. Will you help me? I wish I would have said, Lord, I love my family more than anything. Will you help me prioritize my time? 
instead of just trying to juggle and carry the plates and make it all happen and make it work. I wish I would have just opened up and said, Lord, I made a mess back here in the back and I don't know how to fix it. Will you help me? I didn't do it on purpose. But I'm lacking my purpose. I stand here today as emotional and as tender as I've ever been. And as Josh and I get to know each other, Pastor Josh and I get to know each other over the next three days, he'll realize, and I hope that you catch my heart today, of how grateful and thankful I am to be with you, to call you friend, to say that we worship together in the past and today. But the bear that was at Galena Assembly, It's not the same bear that's here today. Listen, he wasn't a bad bear. He just wasn't complete. I want to tell you, Dad, today, you fathers out there, you're not bad fathers. You're just short of being complete. I have some practical tips that are going to help us today as fathers. As I start to wind this down just a little bit, we're going to take a moment. I talked about pace of grace earlier, and we're going to do this just we're going to do this every night. Practical tips. In the morning, when you wake up, as a husband and as a father. Make sure the first thing you reach for is your spouse and not your phone. Make sure that your children know the first thing in the morning that they have your undivided attention and nothing else as a father. Because I'm, I'm recognizing now that what they see is who they will be. The other day, the clouds came over. It's been dry in Texas. I said, boys, the clouds are coming. And all of a sudden, it started sprinkling, and Cash said, oh, thank you, Lord, for the rain. What they see is who they will be. I said, boys, I got a headache. First thing out of their mouth, you want us to pray for you, Dad? Because what they see is who they will be. And who your kids are seeing is what they will end up being. And we're going to talk about this tomorrow and on Tuesday. What you do does not drive who you are. Who you are should always drive what you do. Listen, I, I, my name is Bear. It's as simple as, don't get confused, it's B-E-A-R, Bear. And on top of bear, I've got pastor, husband, friend, dad, singer, musician, songwriter, builder, woodworker, business owner. I've got all these different labels. I'm bear. 
I even told Pastor Josh today, I said, please. He said, hey, can I introduce you as Pastor Bear? I'm not pastoring anymore. I said, just call me Bear. Because who I am will always drive what I do from now on. I don't want you to know me as Pastor Bear. I don't want you to know that, 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 that man, he does this and he does this. And we do that a lot in life. Hey, I want you to uh, meet, meet my friend Randy. He, uh, he owns this company. You see what I'm saying? He does, this is what Randy does. He, and within the first few sentences we introduce people, we tell people what they do. Because that's the way that we're geared. What they do is who they are, which is opposite. Who they are drives what they do. I'm kind. I'm caring. I love people. I want to help people. I want to lead people to Jesus. I want to show them about grace. I want to teach them about mercy. I want to show them what the presence of the Lord looks like, what it can do for their life. If that qualifies me as a pastor, then so be it. I'll take it. But like David, I just want to be a man after God's own heart. That's it. I want to love my family. I want to love the Lord. But I had to come to a point in my life where I had to make a decision whether I was going to run, hide, or fight. I'll tell you something that recently happened in the Dallas area. To say there's a lot of traffic is an understatement. To say there's a lot of people is an understatement as well. And, and uh, there's just more people than, than you could ever imagine. And so we chose to move about 35, 45 minutes outside to the northeast side of Dallas to a little community called Celeste. And uh, there's nothing out there. And you, uh, Galena is rural. Uh, I'll give you that. Um, Celeste is incredibly rural. Um, we moved to that area and we opened up a venue, a, uh, an event venue, a wedding venue called Davis and Gray Farms that, that my wife runs and, and uh, we run it together and, and uh, I'm in charge of the lawn. And so... Uh, uh, out there in this area, uh, we felt drawn to this area. We felt the Lord was leading us to this area. And so we wanted to connect with some people out in this area. And, and so we began to loosely connect with some people. And, and, um, and what I do for a living and what they do for a living didn't match up. But because what I do for a living requires my time and what they do for a living requires their time. We, our lives were just different, but I, I also had a heart for wanting to get to know them better. And so one night they said, uh, Hey, you want to go with us? And, uh, they're rural. And I said, uh, yeah, where are we going? They said, we're going to go hog hunting. I don't want to go. Uh, really, uh, honestly, if I'm being super honest, I don't, but, um, but God's call is strong. So I will go, uh, I said, uh, sure, how are we, we going to do this? And, uh, and, and right then, I was reminded of run, hide, or fight. And, um, and I'll tell you all about that in just a second. I, uh, I, uh, I said, how are we going to do this? He said, well, we'll go get the dogs. And uh, I said, okay. And, uh, and I said, how, how do I dress? And they said, uh, well, just old clothes. So I went and got my coveralls on and my boots. And, and, uh, and they said, you have a light? And I was like, what kind of light? A headlight. headlight. I was like, a headlamp, like on your head? He said, yeah. I said, I can get one. Ooh, I got a headlamp. Um, and here we go. And I hop in the back of the truck, and I said, where are we going? They said, oh, just anywhere. 
I said, just anywhere. They said, yeah, we got lots and lots and lots of hogs out here. I said, how big are the hogs? And they said, uh, oh, I don't know, anywhere from babies to 250. Okay. I said, what do we shoot them with? And uh, I apologize for any PETA people in here. I said, um, what do we shoot them with? And they said, uh, oh, we don't take guns. All right. What do we do? We stab them. Of course you do. And so, uh, so here we went, Josh. And uh, um, I said, how about if I video? Because I'm good at videoing. And let me just video this thing. And, and, uh, and I kept thinking to myself, run, hide, or fight. Run, hide, or fight. And, and man, I'll tell you what. Uh, I jumped in there. And uh, um, I got as close as I felt comfortable getting close. And, and, uh, and I videoed and everything else. And, and you'd never know it because I got the picture like I did it. And... Uh, they didn't know this, but I have been scared of death all my life. You know the old saying, scared to death. I've been scared of death all my life. And um, I took this moment as an opportunity to learn how to fight in my life. You say, what do you mean? Learn, just, you're going hunting. And it's nothing to a lot of you. I get it. It was a big deal to me because I've been scared of death in my life. Anything. And... Um, so we're sitting there, and, and they said, get down there and get your picture with it. I said, yeah, let's do it. And, and, he, and he had his phone. He said, oh, turn your headlamp off. I said, not going to turn my headlamp off. And it was pitch black out there. And I'm down here next to a 230-pound hog on the ground. And he said, I can't see. I need to take a picture. Turn your headlamp off. I said, I'm not going to turn my headlamp off. It'll get dark. And so I turned my headlamp off, and fear gripped me because here is this 230-pound hog that I'm holding its head. You know what I'm saying? At some point in your life, listen, and that's a silly illustration to point this out, you're going to have to decide those insecurities that you've never fought for, those inadequacies that you've always pushed down, those fears, those quiet fears that always rise to the top over certain things, you're going to have to learn how to face it until you make it. A lot of us have a fear of public perception. A lot of us have a fear that our social media won't show the right part of our life. A lot of us have a fear that we're not going to have a lot of friendships. A lot of us have a fear of a lot of different things in our life, and you're going to have to fight. You have to make your mind up. Are you going to run? Are you going to hide? Are you going to fight? Close your eyes with me, if you would, just for a second. I'm not a preacher by trade. I'm a communicator of the Lord by grace. My mama is a preacher. My daddy is a preacher. I would imagine that you have a preacher here. You're probably used to a certain tone and certain inflections in your voice. I don't have that. I don't offer that. But what I do offer is a man that's full of humility. I want you to know that God's grace applies to your life whether you know it or not. And the best news that I can tell you today is that if you've messed up in your life, 
and maybe a few people know it, maybe nobody knows it, maybe only you and the Lord know it, the best news I can tell you today is that qualifies you for God's grace. You may be walking here today and, and the natural reaction is, is you don't feel qualified to be here. Maybe you don't feel qualified to be a husband. Maybe you don't feel qualified to be a father. You don't feel qualified to be a believer. Every time the worship music starts, you get quiet. Listen, anytime you sing about the cross, you're going to feel unworthy. You got to step into it and say, am I going to run from it? Am I going to hide from it? Or am I going to face it until I make it and I'm going to fight it? I'm going to fight these feelings that are lying to me that aren't facts anymore. If you've ever heard the phrase in your mind, you're not good enough, it's a lie. If you've ever heard the phrase, you're not qualified, it's a lie. If you've ever heard that little voice in your head say, don't you sing right now. You know what you did last week? You can't worship the Lord. That's a lie. The first thing you ought to do is you ought to get to the house of the Lord and worship him. Worship him. Worship him. He's either more than enough or he's not. You've heard it said he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Let's make him Lord of all today. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I thank you for your grace. For your love. mercy, your kindness. I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where you started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I opened up my heart to you. For he is Jesus Christ is Lord. 